0: You know, uh, speaking about the United States of America and how blessed we are, it's a shame that uh, we're suffering from a, a lack of knowledge concerning our American history. Some of these monuments that are being torn down or being re- replaced is just because of stupidity and ignorance and a lack of education. It reminds me, if you would, of a story that I heard of a young boy in school and his teacher asking him, "said Who signed the Declaration of Independence?" And that little boy, he really, he really struggled, Abe. He, he, he couldn't make it. He was really having a hard time. And he said, well, I don't know. Well, the teacher had taught on it for a week. And so she asked him again after the end of the week, who signed the Declaration of Independence? He said, I don't know. And so she came in the next day and asked him again, who signed the Declaration of Independence? He said, I don't know. finally, she was so frustrated at the boy not being able to learn, she called his daddy his daddy came over and some, the teacher just simply said said look your boy won't tell me who signed the declaration of independence and the father looked at the boy and said come over here and sit down And that boy came over and sat down and he said listen to me very carefully he said if you sign that dumb thing you just admit it so we can get out of here <laughs> uh, we're, we're suffering today from 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 not clearly understanding what's going on remember When the Nazis began to tear down their monuments, communism came in. The Jews will not destroy the Holocaust uh, locations because they want to remember the atrocities and the difficulties that existed in that day. Yesterday marked our 244th birthday as a country. It's hard to believe that 244 years ago the Declaration of Independence was signed giving us that independence from Great Britain. Over the last 50 years, however, just looking at the last 50 years, it's very obvious that our morality has really changed in the United States of America. So much so that a recent Gallup poll said this, 75% of Americans say that the state of the moral value of America is getting worse in this country instead of getting better. Did you hear the statistic? Gallup poll is reporting that 75% of Americans say that our moral values are declining. And they are not getting any better. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around and figure that out. Unfortunately, we are not agreeing upon what we need to do in order to get back to the Lord. As a matter of fact, we know that when a culture shifts, there's going to be some severe consequences in the nation. For us, we have seen marriage has been redefined. We have also seen that uh, gender has been been reclassified. And just for the sake of time, I will just generalize everything else by saying that we have moved from a conservative uh, point of culture to a more liberal point of culture. Uh, What I'm saying to you is this. We have forsaken any type of religion at all in regards to the United States of America, much less our Judeo-Christian principles. And we have moved over into the arena of hedonism. If it feels good, do it. And whatever truth is to you, uh, that may be different than the truth it is to me. And so when you get rid of truth, especially absolute truths, you find yourself in a great cultural shift. And through that cultural shift, we are saying that, listen, we are in danger of losing a society in regards to our own personal morality. Now, in my opinion, I believe this nation is suffering from the judgment of God. Uh, Now, many conservative Americans believe that if America becomes moral again, that God will bless us. They hold to a belief system that if we become more moral and if we become more religious, that God will double his blessings upon our country. And so you'll hear some of these individuals and they'll say things like this. We need to put God back in public discourse. We need to put prayer back in schools. Uh, We need to put the Ten Commandments back in public places. We need to stop abortion. We need to stop homosexuality. We need to stop pornography. Now listen to me very carefully. I am for all of that. But just turning back to a moral people will not stay the judgment of God. We must remember, God, listen to this very carefully. Don't don't cut, cut me off after this. Listen to the whole statement. We must remember that God has not called us to morality, but to holiness. First Peter chapter one, verse 16. Peter's telling those individuals, as we saw last week, He says, "Be ye holy, for I'm holy." Speaking of Jesus. Jesus saying, "Be holy, for I am holy. Because He's holy, we're holy. You see, morality is the natural byproduct of holiness. And if we just clean up on the outside, we're still degraded on the inside. We need to get clean on the inside and let what's on the inside pour out to the outside. And so what we're saying here is just simply this. How should we live as born-again children of God as the culture changes around us in the arena of morality? Well, the answer is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 27. The church there at Galatia was suffering from a very, very big cultural change. The church actually had started, and they were doing things right. I mean, they were living by faith. They were loving others. They were loving God. They were serving the world. But something happened. The culture changed around them. And when the culture changes around them, it around them. When it changed around them, it began to push against the church. And as it pushed against the church, the church had a decision to make: Would the church stand on the principles that were given to them by Jesus Christ, or would the church adopt the culture and function that way? Paul got word of what happened. Paul heard them, and he he got word that they were adopting the culture of the world. And he had to write them a letter. That's where we find ourselves in Galatians chapter 5. Let me show you verses 7 and following, and let's look at this in a little bit more detail. Notice what the scripture says. Paul said in verse number 7, he said, Ye did run well. Meaning that there was a time in your life where you were doing the right things. You were, you were running the right race at the right speed. If You clearly understood this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. You were doing so good. Now look at verse 7. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not from him that called you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you, though, through the Lord, that you will be no otherwise minded, but he that trouble you shall bear his judgment, whoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross ceased. I would that they would be cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called into liberty. Only use not that liberty in occasion for the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifested which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immolations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murder, drunkenness, revealing, um, and, and such like of the which I tell you before as I have also told you in the past in times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another, period. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of His Word. The answer to this question of Christian morality or how should a Christian respond to a changing culture is found right here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 20, 20, uh, 26. For a believer to walk in Christian morality, he must walk in holiness. And in order to walk in holiness, then we must know that we are walking after the Holy Spirit. And Paul gives us three insights into that very thing this morning in our text. I want you to notice with me Christian morality walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to do this, there are three things that we've got to understand from this text. Number one, the first one is we must understand the believer's freedom. We must understand the believer's freedom. In verses 7 through 16... Paul, in writing to the church at Galatia, says, look, your your culture is changing around you. There are opportunities for you to forsake the the teachings of Jesus Christ and to go with the culture. And any time you go with the culture, there's going to be consequences. And what he points out in particular in this text is he says there's two things that I want to call your attention to. Number one, the first thing I want to call your attention to is the problem. Look at what he says again in verses 7. In verse 7 through 12, he describes what the problem really is. He says, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you you should not obey the truth? He said, somebody has come into the church and has brought the culture with them and says, we need to change this. And when you change that, You totally blew your purpose statement out of the water You're no longer loving God You're no longer loving others And you're no longer serving the world You are selfish in serving yourself And you become selfish in what it is you want to do What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about the problem was a single distraction That single distraction was somebody came into the church And started teaching the church That they had to be circumcised in order to be saved Now, I'm going to be honest with you, David. I don't know why in the world the women just didn't go absolutely crazy over this because they're suffering from a real problem. They're not going to be able to participate in this activity. But somebody has brought it up. and, and, And look, and here's what's amazing to me. The church adopted this religious practice. Now, there was a time when it should have happened, but I'm telling you, by this stage, Jesus said, in regards to this hindrance that we're finding in verse number 7, this false teacher that's come in, this hindrance is taking their eyes off of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and putting them on some type of ritual that they've got to participate in in order to get right with God. It totally annihilates the work of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, you can't let the changing culture out there change you. Because remember, Jesus is the one that said, he circumcises the heart. You know, that's just like in our world today, those that are trying to change our culture. the exact same thing in our culture today. We have a hindrance going on today. Someone is hindering us from fulfilling our purpose as United States uh, believers and American Christians. And they're sucking us into this void when the whole time the purpose of the church was to love God, love others, regardless of race, color, religion, or national origin, love everybody love the world for God so loved the world the cosmos everybody that's in it regardless of what their color is God has called us to love everybody yeah. Yeah. but the culture comes and the culture pushes up against us in the church and says you've got to change and so, and so start tearing down your representations of what Jesus is, what you think the pictures of Jesus is. And now they're, they're calling for us to, to remove the, the statues of Jesus. When you look at this text, you see that Paul lists five things that we ought to know about false teachers, those that try to change the culture away from God. There are five things that you see in their lives. Watch this. Number one, the first one is they contradict the truth. Look at verse 7 again. He says, you did do well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You're not obeying the truth. Why? Because the truth that they're teaching is contrary to the truth of God. And so what is the truth of God? The truth of God is for us as born-again children of God living here in 2020 to get the gospel out to every creature. But the culture has made us so afraid that we don't even look. We're we're scared to death. Number one of the pandemic. But you remove the pandemic out of the equation. There's been churches been getting rid of visitation for years. We were a small new. We were we were a tiny tiny statistic. Of churches that would go on somebody's front porch and knock on their door and just say, thank you for coming to our church. Or we were just in the the neighborhood and we wanted to say hello, wanted to invite you to church. Nobody does that anymore. Why? Because culture said it was wrong. Let me give you another illustration. Culture also says it's wrong to to get married. And so we want to adopt a more European style of, of marriage. And so what do we do? We live together before we're married. Uh, He deals more specifically in this in just a few moments, but I'm telling you, the culture is contrary to the truth. The truth is, Hebrews chapter 13, the marriage bed is undefiled. Number two, they're contrary to God. Look at verse number eight. He says, this persuasion cometh not of him that called you. God does not call to controversy. God calls to repentance. Now, is the gospel controversial? Yes. But he's called us to repentance, not controversy. He didn't call me to go out there, and if you don't agree with me, be to beat you up. Here's the third one. Here's the third thing about false teachers. They contaminate the church. Look at verse number 9. He says, don't you know a little leaven 11 the the hole up? He says, it's like a cancer. I was watching a... A documentary yesterday, and as I was uh, cleaning the house and watching this documentary, I, it was about this lady. She had a, she had a cancer removed from her, from her brain. And they removed it, and they put a plate in and all these things. Well, several years later, this lump showed up on her, on her head, and they thought it might have just been the plate shifting. So they had to go back in there, and they opened it up. And what it was was they did get all the cancer. And so the cancer had come back, and this time it had metastasized and went all through her body. We find that in regards to this issue of leaven, this little leaven, leaven, it messes up the whole bunch. That's what happens in the church. All it takes is one or two false doctrines, in this case just one, one false teacher teaching that circumcision is required for salvation and it messed up the whole church. And Paul addresses the church collectively to the church. He said, ye, talking about y'all, he's in y'all. Y'all used to do real good in you running. But now you've done messed up. Watch this, number four. Their condemnation is certain. Look at verse number 10. He says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whoever they'll be. He says, I'm telling you, that person's going to rise to the top and they're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. You see, Paul is pointing to the fact that your holiness, your personal holiness is your responsibility. It's not mine, it's yours. And then here's the fifth one. They criticize teachers of the truth. Look at verse 11. He says, I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. He says, as soon as I stop talking about the cross and start talking about anything else, then that doesn't matter anymore. What matters is what you do. See, it's amazing to me what one single distraction will do to your faith. Let me ask you a question. What is, what's distracting you? What's distracting you from loving God, loving others, serving the world? Not only do you see this single distraction, you also see this collective disobedience. This one single person caused so much trouble that the scripture tells us that he says you should not obey the truth. He says something has moved your, your focus off of the truth of Jesus who changes the heart. And now you want to do something Outwardly, remember what Romans chapter 2 verse 29, Paul dealt with it again. He says, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not of the letter Who prays, whose praise is not of men but of God. If God's the one that circumcises the heart, then we praise God. If it's a ritual, some type of ritualistic experiment, then you got to praise the person that just performed the ritual. And he says, now the church is suffering from this collective disobedience. This is the problem. But not only do I want you to see the problem, I want you to see the practice. In verse 13 through 16, Paul shifts his attention to what they're supposed to be practicing. He says, stop doing this and start doing that. What is it he's telling us to do as Christians? Here's where we get some great application, church. Watch this. He says, in this changing culture, the first thing I want you to know in regard to this practice is there is a clear calling to liberty. Look at verse number 13. He says, brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Paul's favorite topic in anywhere that he wrote, Timothy, he always talked about our freedom. And he always said the same thing. In Jesus Christ, you're free to do whatever. You are free. You are not bound by the shackles anymore. But he always uses this. He always says this only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh. You know what that means? Don't just stick your chin out and say, Well, I'm going to tell you what, the Bible doesn't say that I can't drink, so I'm just going to go ahead and drink. That's the wrong. That is wrong. The scripture is clear. It is not wise to participate in drinking, and it will lead you down the wrong road. That is an abuse of your liberty. That's right. So, well, I, I tell you what, preacher. I, 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 that person don't agree with me. Then I bless God. I'm just, I, I'm just gonna be. I, I'm just gonna be even. I'll be louder than they are. No, that's an abuse of your liberty. Remember what Paul said. Paul says, look, if meat makes my brother stumble, I'm not going to eat meat. That's right. Here, was his bottom line in regards to, to Christian liberty. I'm going to practice my Christian liberty. And I'm going to practice it to the fullest as long as it is advancing the gospel. But as soon as it stops advancing the gospel, I'm pulling back and I'm not going to abuse my Christian liberty. So, is it wrong to have church online? No, it's just great, man. Praise God. I'm glad everybody's watching. You can watch church anywhere. But don't you ever forget the Bible said forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some such do. Who does that? Listen. That means you need to come to church sometime. You need to be in the house of God. That's a great time to preach this on Fourth of July, you know, when we had to cancel service because everybody's on vacation. Hey, I love you guys. Thank you. You're stopping and watching. You're, come, I know you're. Listen, I know you're coming back. So I got a text this morning for a sweet family. They're listening as they're driving home. And uh, they say, we're coming home today. We're, we're participating in church. Uh, we will be there next week. See, that's the way to do it. It's okay to get away. It's okay to get away. But don't stay away. There's a clear calling to our liberty. Number 2, watch this. There's a clear calling to service. Look at verse 13 again. I've got a hurry. He says this, "But love, but by love serve one another." This is a clear calling to service. So he says not only are you called to liberty in Jesus Christ, you're free in Jesus Christ. But that liberty ought to motivate you to serve one another. Uh, yesterday morning I got up early, boys and I working on the barn doors. Uh uh, and trying to get those back up and, and, and all that. And they were sleeping and I was up. So I went over to Hardy's to get them a, a biscuit, to w- wake them up with a biscuit because Dad's about to work them to death. And so I thought that'd just be the least I could do. And so uh, I get there and I look in my rearview mirror and sure enough, there's one of our, our sweet church members, I, I, one that I love dearly. And uh, pulled up there. I, I ordered and they pulled up more and, and all. And just, just in my heart of service, I said, "Hey, can I pay for those?" That, that's my friend back there, and, and I would like to pay for his breakfast. And uh, what a joy that was! I mean, y'all sure did eat a lot, but what a joy that was! <laughs> it was a joy to be able to do that. The word for serve here is uh, "duluo." Duluo. Uh, it means to serve with a with a grateful heart. It was fun to do that. I don't know if you realize this or not, but it is fun to serve. Uh, I uh, built a house many years ago. and I didn't build it. I can't build anything. I can tear something (laughs) apart, but I can't build it. But in regards to this uh, house that we were building, um, the individual didn't charge us a dime for labor. And he called in all the favors that he had done over the years. And he wanted to try to build the house as cheap as possible. And it was funny because he'd get the subcontractors. And he would just say, have you ever done anything for free just to serve, just to do a service? Wow. And uh, he, he told me through the course of that, I didn't know he was doing all this. But through the course of this thing, he came at the end. He said, you know, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yes. He said, I've got to say, this was such a blessing to be able to serve you the way that we were able to serve. It was a real joy to my heart. But as a Christian, that's what we're called to do. We're called Serve. And our service is different. I'm not just talking about spending money. That's, that we serve in many different ways. But it's an attitude of the heart. Number three. Here's a third practice. You see a clear calling to walk. Look at what he says in verse 16. He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The word walk here is in the present tense. It means to be walking today. It's also in the active voice which puts the responsibility on you. See, I can't walk for you spiritually. You've got to walk for you. And so it's your responsibility to actively be walking today and it's in the imperative mood. Now anytime you see a, a word that's in the imperative mood, always think about this. It's a command. So what he's saying here in a very commanding type voice is he says, you have got to walk in the Spirit. He's giving them the antidote to a changing culture. He says, if you want to walk after the Lord and not change with the culture, then you've got to walk in the Spirit today, presently, right this very moment. That's your responsibility. And if you don't practice that responsibility, then you will watch this naturally drift Toward the legalism that existed in that day. If you don't walk in the Spirit yourself, personally, you will naturally drift towards the culture. And then here's what's going to happen. Here's what happens. You get mad at the preacher and say, that preacher is so narrow-minded, he don't understand. That church is so conservative, they do not understand. No, it's not that we do not understand. It's that as a born-again child of God, we are called to walk in the Spirit. You see, the cure, the cure for morality is not getting better on the outside. The cure for morality is getting right on the inside. And at the very moment we become holy, we will naturally be a moral people. And so he, he, Paul says, you've got to understand your freedom. You can go either way. God did not make you a robot. He gives you that opportunity to either walk after the Spirit or, bless God, you walk after the flesh. And you can be born again. Did you see, do you notice he's writing to church? He's writing to believers. He says, you believers who have Jesus in your heart, who who have received Christ as Savior, you have turned and you're walking after the world today. So that brings us to the second point, verses 17 through 21. Y'all got to listen a whole lot faster. It is 1025, and I'm supposed to be done in five minutes. I just got done with the introduction. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is point number two. Let, let me show you this. Point number two, the, the, the second thing I want you to see is if you're going to, if you're going to respond to the changing culture properly, you've got to understand the believer's feud. You've got to understand the believer's feud. So number one, understand believer's freedom. We've got liberty. That liberty is calling us to serve, and the only way we're going to do that right is to be walking in the Spirit. You got that? Say amen right there. Number two. The second thing is understand that a believer's feud. There is a feud going on. I I love Andy Griffith. I I really do. I I enjoy that. I I like watching the show. I'm right now, I'm in season six, you know, where Warren shows up. I I, I much prefer Barney over Warren, but that's just a personal preference. But anyways, I digress. The point I want to make here is there's an episode of Andy Griffith where there is a feud going on between the Carters and the Wakefields. They have been feuding, Scott, for 87 years. And it finally comes to head when, when one of the Wakefields wants to marry one of the Carters. And it flares up again. Well, to make a long story short, what the bottom line is, it boils down to this. They can't even remember what they're feuding about. Yeah. They, they don't, Listen, they don't know why they want to kill each other. It's just something every day. They they'd just get out there on the porch and they'd shoot up in the sky. Acting like they weren't shooting at one another. Just a lot of ruckus, but really no war. That is not the case when it comes to what's going on inside of you. You've got to understand that this feud that's going on inside of you is not like the, like the Carters and Wakefields. It's not like the Hatfields and McCoys up there in Gatlinburg. You, you've got to understand that your flesh doesn't want your spirit to be in control. And your spirit doesn't want your flesh to be in control. And the question you've got to ask is, who's in control? And and, and here's the thing, we might not even know who's in control. We say, well, how do I know that I'm in control? Paul comes alongside in verse 17 through 21, and he says, listen, there are some specific sins that are in three separate categories that will show whether or not you're walking in the flesh or you're walking in the spirit. He says, but you've got to clearly understand there's a feud going on there in your life. Look at what he says in verse 17. He says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now I want you to watch this. He says in the text, the reason why you can't love God, love others, and serve the world is because you're too busy looking on the war that's taking place inside of you And you're not willing to make a commitment. Remember, that's one of the challenges to the churches in the book of Revelation. God says, man, I wish you were, man, I wish you would make your mind up. Are you going to be hot or cold? Because this lukewarm mess ain't doing anything but upsetting my stomach. It makes me want to throw up. And so there's a war going on inside of you. And this war that's taking place inside us against your flesh and against your spirit, and it's conflicting. And listen, it will affect three areas of your life. Number one, it's going to affect your sensual life. The Bible says, beginning in verse number 19, there he says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And then he deals with the sensual life. He says there's four areas in your life that deal with the, the, the sensual part of your life if you're walking after the flesh this is what you're doing number one you're committing adultery so if you're in an adulterous relationship that is you are you have a relationship with somebody other than your spouse you are committing adultery you're walking after the flesh number two he says fornication what's fornication Fornication is the same thing, except it's dealing with unmarried people. It's talking about having an a intimate relationship with someone of the opposite sex outside the bonds of marriage. You're sleeping together. You're living together. You, you know what the problem is? You're in the flesh. And so here, here's what I've learned. If you're in the flesh and you're participating in adultery or fornication and your preacher stands up and preaches what the Word of God means and says, you are living in sin, you have a hard time laying your head down at night. And I promise you, you'll either either choose to hang in here with me and want to grow in your faith, or you'll say, bless God, I don't like that. I ain't going back to that church. He don't understand. Does he not know that it's cheaper for us to live together and get income from the government than to get married and pay taxes, shame on you. Shame on you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You'd rather follow the culture than follow what the Word of God says. I'm going to be honest with you. Bless God, I tell you what, if I was living with somebody and they weren't my spouse, I'd I'd man up and I'd get married this week.
1: I said, what, I ain't going
0: to make it through it. going to make it through it. Look at this. Here's another one. Uncleanliness. You know what uncleanliness is? a filthy mind. Well, here, Look, I'm using the King James. I, I love the language. Here's a big word, lasciviousness. You know what that means? It means to sin to the point where there's no shame. You, you talk about our culture today. We sin today with no Shame. You go to Central Park. People walk around Central Park naked. No shame. Just happy about it. It's called lasciviousness. That deals with the sensual life. Number two, he deals with the spiritual life in verse 20. You see what he says there? Idolatry. That deals with your spiritual life. What is idolatry? It's anything you put ahead of God. And then he uses, this is the next one, witchcraft. Witchcraft. Uh, this is a word where we get our term pharmacy from. It's the Greek word uh, pharmacia. We get our English word pharmacy. It's the use of illicit drugs. I mean, we, we think that drug abuse and uh, the problem we have with drugs in our culture today is, is something new. No, they, they had a problem with it in Bible days. They were abusing drugs in Bible days. And then he gets the third one. I, I'm hurrying. Number three, it's your social life. Here's some social life. You, you want to know if you're walking after the flesh? Then are you participating in hatred? There's 11 of them here. Hatred, variance, that's strife. You like to fight. You know, it's funny. I, I uh, a big D. Did he get out of here? He's still in here. Big D. Is there a time in your life you like to fight? Yes, sir. <laughs> I had a fellow in my previous church. We called him, we called him Mr. He was, he was Mr. Carrollton. He loved to fight. But you know what happened to him, Big D? Just like the same thing that happened to you. This is what's amazing to me from the position of a pastor. When I look amongst my congregation and I can see the ones that God's really changed. It used to be strivers, used to like to fight. and God even changed that. Now I can't stop Big D from hugging me. He don't want to punch anymore. He wants to hug. Uh, emulations, what is that? That's jealousies and rivalries. Wrath, that's outburst of anger. Strife, that's seeking your own self. And then sedition, that's division. Heresies, that's, that's cliques in the negative sense. Uh, envying, that's carrying out a grudge. You've got a grudge on your shoulder and you carry it out, that's called envying. We all know what murder is that's killing, murders. Now, that's vastly different from defending the nation, vastly different. I watched Hacksaw Ridge, and uh, I saw that guy who was a conscientious objector. And I know that exists in our day-to-day, but that's not what that word means. It's not saying you ought to be a conscientious objector. He's saying in response to this murder, like Cain killed Abel over nothing. See, so I not to do. That. That's murder. And then he talks about drunkenness. We all know what that is. And then revil- revilings. This is, a, this is a very fascinating term here. Uh, this, this term actually was pointing to a specific group of people. And this specific group of people were known to stay up real late at night and they'd get drunk and then they'd do stupid stuff. And they'd go out and they would sing to this false god. And uh, it, it would just and just cause trouble. They, it, it, it's a close association to rioting, but it deals in the arena of being drunk. He says, look, you, you have got to understand, if you would, in regards to this, uh, this lifestyle, this Christian life, movement, understand the believer's feud. There's a war going in on inside of you, and it's dealing with your sensual life, your spiritual life, and your social life. And then watch this, then he sh- shifts gears. I gotta, I'm got. i out of time. In verses 22 through 26, I gotta hurry. He says, you need to understand the believer's fruitfulness. Understand the believer's fruitfulness. And then he, he goes through and he says, The fruit of the Spirit. This is important. Look at what the text says. The fruit of the Spirit. It says one fruit. Okay, these are not the fruits of the Spirit. You'll hear some preachers talk about the fruits of the Spirit. This ain't the fruits of the Spirit, it's singular. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, so what are you saying? What I'm saying, if you're going to participate in holiness, then it's going to produce this fruit. And this fruit that it's going to produce is going to manifest itself in several different ways. It's going to be an inward fruit. That's what he deals with first in verse twenty-two. He says there's three inward. This fruit produces three things inwardly. What does it produce? It produces love, joy, and peace. Do you have love, joy, and peace? Number two, it's also it it gives us outward fruit. Verses twenty-two and twenty-three. And he tells us this outward, there's five things. This outward fruit, or this outward manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. You're going to be patient with people. It's going to be gentleness. You're going to be kind to people. It's goodness. You're going to be uh, upright with people and generous with people. It's going to be meek. You're going to have power under control. There's going to be temperance. That means you're going to be self-controlled. He says, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And then there's also one that I left out intentionally on purpose In verse 22, and that is an upward fruit. So there's inward fruit. He deals with inward manifestations of the fruit. He deals with outward manifestation of the fruit. And then he deals with upward manifestation of the fruit. What's the upward manifestation? It's faith. And and he says this. Notice what he says there in verse 22. Uh, As he goes down uh, uh, in verse 24, he says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. With the affections and lust, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. He simply says this, church. Again, he's talking to Christians. He says you can be in the Spirit, but not necessarily walking in the Spirit. So, what he's saying is you can be born again. I can ask you this question. I can say, if you were to die today do you know for sure you'd go to heaven, you can say yes. But your lifestyle in no way resembles you walking after the Spirit. You may go to church, but you don't have your devotion. You may be in Sunday school, but you don't participate in prayer time, your own personal prayer time. You give, but you're not growing. And I'm going to be honest with you a message like this in dealing with Christian morality might make you mad. Because on the outside you're participating in religious things, but on the inside you're dead. Dried up. And the flesh, the fleshly person inside of you that you've been feeding is in control. And when the flesh is in control, did you see what it is here? Up in the text again. When the flesh is in control, your social life, that is what I see and what people see of you, is not it's not matching up who you say you are. I'm going to close with this illustration because it happened this week. And I was wondering why in the world the Lord allowed this to happen to me. Because I'm going to be honest, it just flat made me mad. So this week I I uh, had an appointment here at the church meet with someone. Uh, I had a busy morning. Busy morning. I'd worked on sermon prep and all this, and I was trying to get to the church. I missed lunch. I usually like to eat lunch at 11.30. I missed it. I didn't get lunch until 1 o'clock, and I'm on my way to the church, So I said, I'm just going to stop for lunch. And so I pulled through the gospel chicken place, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> they got three lanes now. Bless God, three lanes. I, 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 I was as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. I didn't know what lane to get, David. I said, I want to go in the fastest lane. Well, there were not a lot of people in lane three, so I just pulled over in there in lane three. I got up there in lane three, and I'm hungry. Remember, I like to eat lunch by 1130, and I, I don't know why this is. The older you get, the more, the more you, you get set in your ways. Right. Uh, thank you, sister. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so the gentleman that's about to, theres two cars in front of me. The guy, you know, he's got an iPad, and, and I'm already— my blood sugar's off, okay? <laughs> he puts his iPad down, and he starts fixing the cones, and he walks by the second car, and he walks by my car, and he just keeps on walking, and, and we're just sitting there ready to order, and he just, he gone. Eventually, he comes back, and he takes the order. Well, I'm already, I'm like, why'd you do that? I mean, the cones were fine. Everybody's in their lane. So I pulled up there and he said, Can I have it? Take your order. Uh, or or he, he didn't say how, how many to serve me. He said, What do you have? I said, I know what I want. I want a, a chicken sandwich, spicy chicken deluxe. That's what I want a spicy chicken deluxe with an unsweet tea. Now, it's not that I like unsweet tea, but Sue, I'm, I'm really trying to do right, okay? I'm trying to control my sugar intake, okay? That's why. Well, uh, I had my app, and I was going to pay on my app. And so my app, and we're right there in the sun. We're not under the tent. Well, He says, you need to turn your brightness up. I said, well, I believe it's up all the way, but I do it. And and sure enough, it's up all the way. And I turn it right there. and He says, I don't believe your brightness is up. (laughs) It's at that moment I started praying. Because the man just called me a liar. You ever been so mad inside you could feel it? You know, there really is this thing where you can't you get so you can't see straight. I was experiencing that, David. I was already hungry. My blood sugar's already off. Now I got a choice to make. I'm I, I almost I said, excuse me? I said it is all the way up, and I, I said i He said, "Let me scan it again." I said, "No, you ain't scanned it again. I want you to see it's turned all the way up." And we had this, and all the while, here I am starting to fall under conviction because I, I'm mad. I want you to listen to it very carefully. That's life. What you do from that point forward will show what you're made of. I sought some counsel. Here's what some counsel said. Let's come and tell you what you need to do. You need to get on that old care page. and You need to tell them. You need to get that guy fired. That ain't right. What if he's having a bad day? What if his mama's sick, dying of cancer, and he's just trying to pay the bills? What he needs is somebody to be a witness to. That's what our country needs. Our country needs to see what a true, true born-again child of God looks like. So I'm asking you, brothers and sisters, it's not enough for us to be in the Spirit. We got that when we got saved. We got to be walking in the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, it will change our morality because God never called us to morality. He called us to holiness. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us to live as holy people. Lord, there might be someone here today that doesn't know the free pardon of sin. Maybe, Lord Jesus, somebody's here that's not even in the Spirit. And Lord, there may be somebody here maybe that's in the Spirit but that's not walking after the Spirit. Maybe they're suffering from the same challenge that the Galatians suffered from. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray you'd clearly speak truth into our hearts. And changes from the inside. Help us to walk after the Spirit. And if there be someone here today that's not saved, I pray today to be the day they receive you as their Savior. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the cross. And Lord, may we clearly understand. We didn't even get to this part, but may we clearly understand that the whole reason why Paul was in prison is he was preaching against religion. He was preaching a relationship. And when we magnify the cross, we put the emphasis on the main thing, Jesus. So help us to keep the main thing the main thing. In your name I pray. Amen. Can we stand this morning as we stand? I'm way out of time uh, today. I hope you have a great Fourth of July. Remember, the church office is going to be closed tomorrow. And If you're here today and you need to make a spiritual decision, Please don't put it off. Don't put it off. If you're here today and maybe you'd just like to come pray, we're going to sing one verse and give you an opportunity to come to the altar. But what goes on in here is most important. If you're here today and you need to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, stop putting that off. Why not right now today say something like this to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. today I ask you to save me you say something like that to Him. now listen to me online if you need to get saved you need to cry out to God only he can save you it's not my words it's your heart's condition by faith you need to trust Christ if you did that I want to hear from you let me know that you trusted Jesus shoot me an, an email get on the website let call the church let us know I got a gift I'd like to give you father Have your way in this invitation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to come, the altars are open. Here we go. One verse. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. decision to follow you is our decision. And Lord, we may have some here today that maybe would like a little bit more counsel, maybe they like a little bit more information about Christ, about living the Christian life and not just practicing a religion, but I mean walking with a relationship with Jesus and what that looks like and how one might be able to do it. Father, I pray they wouldn't leave this place without stopping by room 256 and getting the information they need so that they can grow closer to you. Thank you for our online service. What a joy it's been to be together online. I pray your blessings on all of our people that are uh, away. I pray that this pandemic would get out of the way. And Lord, I pray you'd put a hunger in us from the Word, that we would want the Word more, And that we'd flesh out the word even more. Help our nation. Help us, God. We love you. We pray for your blessings now. In Jesus' name. And the church said, All right, practice social distancing on your way out. Come into the room. Don't just stand at the door. I love you. God bless you and have a great day. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our broadcast today. It is the purpose of Maysville Baptist Church to love God, love others, and serve the world. One of the ways that we serve the world is broadcasting this program all over the world through the internet. I want to tell you what a joy it is to have you tune in today. Maybe at the end of the service you prayed and received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Several years ago I wrote a book entitled My First Week. I would love to send you a copy of this book to help you on your brand new journey as being a born-again Christian. If you'll just reach out to me by our website, send me an email, uh, or maybe even call the church, I'd be glad to drop this in the mail and send it to you. May the Lord bless you for tuning in. I hope to see you next week, and thank you for being with us at Mason. Jesus. follow jesus i have decided to follow jesus i have decided to follow jesus no church